Hey everyone, this is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast, episode 26 of the 2020 podcast series, getting you ready for the NFL draft, which is set to begin April 23rd. We don't know the exact venue, but we know that it is going to take place 23rd to the 25th, NFL announcing that they're planning to have the draft in April, I know that there are a lot of GMs that are out there that are really hoping that they would get more time to spend doing a lot of the psychological evaluations, interviews, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, but with everything going on with COVID-19, it sounds like the league wants to push on. Uh, we won't have a draft that is open to the public, but it sounds like it will be televised. There's speculation that it may be as many as seven days. Um, I guess maybe they do a, a, a round every day. Um you know, really not sure exactly what it's going to look like, but you know, we're in unprecedented times right now. So absolutely, the the draft is is going to be no different. Now we're continuing our podcasts here with Ready for the Draft, uh, really because we need to have an outlet. We need to have a release. We should be talking about football uh, just to give somebody, you know, somebody something else to really talk about. And we know that. At some point, we'll get to some semblance of normalcy. We'll be able to get back to all of our outlets and avenues that we enjoy. And right now, what do we have? We, we can talk about football. We can talk about what to expect in, in 2020 uh, with the NFL. So we're going to go ahead and, and continue to trudge on. And really, last episode, what's interesting is last episode – we, we spent time talking about the NFC East, how free agency really was shaping the NFL draft and, and really where they were, uh, those teams were going to be identifying and where they were going to be going. And throughout that, throughout that podcast, I really found myself justifying, uh, Isaiah Simmons going number four overall. And yet in my, in my mock draft, I had Jedrick Wills going there at the end of the day. I had to think about this and I had to really reach, you know, retool and rework my, my mock draft because Isaiah Simmons, look, one of the top four or five players in this draft. And I went ahead and went back to the drawing board and completely put a, a new mock draft together. I need to get that released and, and out onto the website here in the next couple of days. But I wanted to at least continue to bring the podcast. This is a, a podcast that was released a couple of days later than I would have liked, but it's really because I was retooling my, my mock draft. You can expect to be seeing uh, the rest of the league. Uh, you know, I'll be putting together uh, podcasts, kind of going over each division and how the free agency has really um, started to reshape the NFL draft. So Isaiah Simmons, I actually had him going number four overall to the Giants now. Um, really makes sense when you look at what they need. Uh, Alec Ogletree just was not getting the job done, uh, especially uh, covering tight ends and, and running backs out of the backfield. And, and this is something that when you look at Isaiah Simmons, guy plays all over the field, um, whether it was on the line as a linebacker, deep safety, covering in the slot. Now, this is a guy who's going to be able to 
match up with the likes of Zach Ertz, uh, Dallas Goddard, uh, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, all of those guys, David Njoku, uh, Austin Hooper, the list goes on and on at the tight end position. And then you're talking about some running backs as well that are pretty formidable uh, in the passing game You know, with those teams. You know, the, the trio of, of receivers there with, uh, with the 49ers when you're talking about Mostert, uh, Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida, and then you're t- you know then you go to uh, Chicago and you have David Montgomery who can catch the ball out of the backfield. How about Baltimore with with Mark Ingram, and then you have Ezekiel Elliott twice. Uh, you know so you can just continue. You know Adrian Peterson in, in Washington. Isaiah Simmons is the type of guy that that can match up with any of those those players. Really, even line up in the slot if he needed to, uh, in a pinch. So then, with the Giants, you know they don't take their tackle there in round number one. I've got them taking Ezra Cleveland in round number two. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, look, you know he he looks like he's really a a left tackle. You know he's more of a finesse guy. Um, you know, but I I really think that. You know, with the Giants, this could potentially be Austin Jackson as well, especially if Cincinnati opts for Cleveland. Um, but Ezra Cleveland is, is one of the top tackles, and really if he can w- get into an NFL weight room and get that lower body to match his upper body strength, then I think you really have something there. So I think that um, you know, with, with you know Dave Gettleman getting a tackle there, uh, Kayvon Wallace you know, at safety, uh, they, they need to get a safety in there. I actually had Ashton Davis go in there. Uh, Kayvon Wallace is a guy who's going to be able to qu- uh, cover some uh, some slot receivers as well. And then they need a receiver. They have a bunch of guys, like I said in the last podcast, a lot of guys that look the exact same. And uh, I had to kind of retweak the, you know, when you tweak the round number one, then you really have to kind of go through and there's a trickle down effect through the second, third, and fourth rounds. So in the fourth round, I actually have them taking uh, Isaiah Hodgins out of Oregon State, a guy that kind of reminds you a little bit of, of Kenny Galladay with the, the height, the hands, um, you know, a little bit of vertical uh, presence as well. Uh, not just a possession receiver like I think a lot of people are, are shaping him up to be. Uh, Dallas. You know, I'm really trying to figure out what I'm going to do with Dallas because I, I have, um, you know, with with Simmons coming off the board to the Giants at four, then you've got Carolina sitting there at 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 uh, uh, at seven. Had them taking Simmons, they now take Derek Brown, which means that the Jags, in all likelihood, is going to they're going to take uh, Javon Kinlaw. They're sitting at number nine. Uh, so Dallas, okay, no problem. CJ Henderson, but I have CJ Henderson going to the to the Jets, and a lot of people are looking at the Jets and they're saying, "Look, they're going to take a, a wide receiver," you know, and we'll get into the, that discussion here in a minute. I actually have them taking CJ Henderson instead, and so then, okay, so you don't get the corner there. So then, what do you do? Um, all right, so we're going to go defensive end. We're going to get uh, you know Calavin Chase on. Well, I've got him now going to the Falcons. So that doesn't work. So I really had to think about things. Could it be a safety? Could it be a, you know another interior lineman? Could it be AJ Epinesa potentially? Um, but he feels too much like like Demarcus Lawrence on the opposite side. So I went with Trevin Diggs, the Alabama corner, um, big corner. You know, really add some size to that secondary. You know, really lacking when you have Anthony Brown and and, and Chidobi Wuzier and Jordan Lewis. I wanted to get some size to that that secondary. Uh, you know, Julian. Quara, the, the the defensive end, uh, outside linebacker, really a guy who can can rush the passer off the edge. He'll be able to complement uh, 
Lawrence very well there, I believe. And then at safety, they need a free safety. Haha, ha, Clinton Dix, really going to be a one-year rental here. So I, I'm, I'm looking at Ashton Davis out of Cal. I think you know there's a chance that he can end up coming off the board in round two, but I think round three is really what feels right for him. And then how about another receiver? You've got Amari Cooper, and you have... Uh, Michael Gallup, a 1,000-yard receiver. Um, but I'm looking at a, a guy like Colin Johnson, a bigger receiver, a guy that's going to bring something that they don't have on the roster, um, You know, a, a guy who's going to be get physical, can win those 50-50 balls. He's 6'6", 222 pounds. He's almost like a tight end out there. Um, so I thought that was a nice fit for Dallas. Washington, I didn't change anything up with Washington. You know, I've got them taking Chase Young, number two overall, uh, in the third round. I've got them taking Matt Pert, the big six-seven tackle out of uh, UConn. And look, Matt Pert could be off the board um, in round number two. Uh, so I think that'd be a steal in round three, especially because we don't know what's happening with with Trent Williams. And that's really one of the the X factors. Is Trent Williams going to get traded? Uh, you know, there's Jason Peters who's still out there as well. So some of these teams that are looking for offensive tackles, you know, things could potentially change and I'll have to retool all of this all over again. But hey, we got another month. So we'll probably be going over mock drafts, um, you know, I, again, uh, when it's all said and done. They, I went with a couple of receivers as well. You know, Washington uh, has some uh, smaller receivers, you know, and we talked about that in the last podcast. And uh, so I, I went with Lim Bowden Jr. first uh, to give them a, a versatile receiver, a guy who can do a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, he was a quarterback at Kentucky, can run the ball, um, play receiver. And then Brian Edwards slid him in as one of the bigger possession receivers. I think, you know, those two guys would complement that receiving core nicely. And then finally, uh, Philly, you know, the, the, the winners of the, of the division, um, you know, Ju- you know, Justin Jefferson didn't change anything there at the receiver position uh, in round number one. Round number two, I, I went with Logan Wilson actually around earlier. I think his stock is going to continue to rise. 6'2", 241, a guy who plays all over the field, over 400 tackles, can make plays behind the line of scrimmage, drops into coverage really well. Uh, a guy who I think is underrated and is going to continue to drive up draft boards. Um, defensive end uh, in round number three with with Khalid Kareem. Uh, just get, add some depth, some quality depth there to the defensive end position um you know I, I think they need a quarterback to back up Carson Wentz because you worry about his durability going Jake Fromm there and then uh I went with a, li- uh, a linebacker another linebacker because the linebacking core is, is really kind of light went with Sean Bradley out of Temple now I know Matt Rule in Carolina is probably going to want to try to get Sean Bradley on his roster when it's all said and done but Sean Bradley is just a guy who I think can play inside he can play outside he's very versatile uh very athletic and uh so round four isn't out of the question for him and then at the safety position you know they, they've got some safeties there already with with Philly, but you know they've got uh, you know Jalen Mills who came in. He can play corner. He can play safety. Bringing in a guy like Aloe Gilman, he's a little stiff in the hips, but a guy who is an intelligent player, very smart and savvy guy. I think end of round four makes sense there with Philly. So you can see that one player just completely changes. You know I'm I'm looking at this um, and. Just one player ended up changing just so many picks because one team decides, okay, 
you know, you can see that Simmons comes off the board. So sitting at number seven, Carolina doesn't have the linebacker that they can build their defense around. So they're going to go with the interior of the line. So then that's why they go Derek Bro- Derek Brown. Jaguars, they need a defensive tackle desperately now that Marcel Darius was a cap casualty. So they end up going with, with Javon Kinlaw. Well, Kinlaw was supposed to go to Atlanta. And Chason was supposed to go to Dallas. So all these moving pieces, it, it just, you know, that's what happens on draft day. And teams should be able to pivot and look at their draft board and say, okay, if, if this guy's off the board, then where are we going? And that's kind of what's so fun about the draft and being able to put together the mock drafts and predict where players are going to go is you have to really think on your feet. You really have to look at it and say, okay, if this guy's off the board, then where's this, where's this going? And so it took me a couple of days to put it all together, but I think I've got everything down. So uh, we did the NFC East in the last podcast. So episode 26, we're talking about the AFC East. So AFC East, obviously we're talking about the New England Patriots and we're talking about Tom Brady, right? Well, Tom Brady is gone. He's in Tampa. And so life without Tom Brady, we're going to look at at what they're going to be doing there in uh, New England. Do they go quarterback? They have Jarrett Stidham on the roster. Do they opt to go with a guy like Cam Newton or, or Jameis Winston? Um, you know, Miami, tank for Tua. There's a good chance that Tua's going to be there. Here's the issue, though. What happens if uh, a team like the Chargers tries to trade up? They look at Detroit. You know, they look at the Giants, try to trade up, get in front of Miami. So, you know, Miami's going to have to do, you know, and think what they, you know, think on their feet. They've got a lot of draft picks, a lot of draft capital. Can they trade up and and make sure that they get Tua, get their guy at the quarterback position? Um, you have Buffalo, you know, a team that finally, you know, 10-win season, finally made the playoffs. They don't have a first-round pick, but I think they can get some nice pieces that are going to complement their team very well. And then you've got the Jets. I mentioned that the Jets need a receiver. They need to look at that receiving core, but I think the cornerback position is really going to end up being their number one need when it's all said and done. And yes, there's also the offensive tackle position, but I'm going to talk about why I don't know that offensive tackle it makes sense at uh, in round number one either. So, Who's the team that has the first pick uh, among the AFC East teams? And that's going to be the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and I think we'll spend the most time because they have the most number of picks in the first four rounds. Uh, you're actually looking at seven picks in in the first four rounds, including three in round number one. So without further ado, we kick it off. We look at the quarterback position in Tua Tonga-Vailoa. I think you know they will try to do whatever they can, the Dolphins, that um, – to get Tua, in my opinion. Could they go with up for, for Justin Herbert if uh, Tua uh, is off the board? Sure. But Tua's the guy, to, to me, when you watch Tua Tonga-Vailoa play, you know, you're seeing a, a, a guy who, you know, if he were healthy and there weren't any issues with the hip, then I, I think you'd be talking about Tua potentially ahead of Joe Burrow as number one overall pick. But there are issues with the injuries. You know, he has the hip, obviously, that he's had the surgery on, but they're saying that he should be healed up and ready to go. You have the the ankle injuries. He had a knee injury. You know, really, the, the moral of the story is, is we got to keep Tua in the pocket. Because all the injuries are, are when he's extending the plays, holding on to the football a little bit too long. We've got to allow him to remain in the pocket, trust his eyes, and be able to make plays down the football field. Because look, there's no doubt, you know, 69.3% completion percentage in his career, uh, 87 touchdowns, just 11, 11 picks, uh, over 7,400 yards. You know, this is a guy who throws his receivers open. You know, and that's the thing. When you watch the anticipation, there's incredible anticipation here. You know, he's throwing the guy up. When you talk about a guy throwing, throwing a receiver open, you're looking at a receiver and the ball comes out of his hands and the receiver's still covered. 
but he's throwing to a spot. He's allowing that receiver to uncover by, by basically you know, running that route, getting open and, and running to that football and making a play. He's trusting his receivers and really he had a, you know, a slew of receivers to throw to there in, in, in uh, Bama with Jerry Judy and, and Henry Ruggs, the third, both, you know, first round picks. And then you have, uh, Devonte Smith is going to be a first rounder next season. And then you also have Jalen Waddle who could end up being the best receiver out of the whole bunch. Um, but you look at, at, uh, at the receiving core that he has, you know, Preston Williams, uh, really came on as, as a, as a rookie. There's Devonte Parker and, you know, another guy had a thousand yard season. Alan Hearns, um, you know, was recovering from his injuries. You know, Albert Wilson's on the roster, Jakeem Grant, uh, a real, you know, mini, mini, uh, might, you know, slot receiver, Matt Collins, the guy who can get vertical a little bit. They're going to need to look and try to find, uh, some more weapons for him in this passing attack. They also need to find a running back as well. That's going to be able to compliment him coming out of the backfield. We'll talk about that here in just one second, but Tua, I think Miami, they could trade up to number three to get Tua, but at the end of the day, Tua is going to end up being their guy. So second, first round pick. They have to go offensive tackle, right? I mean, I think they have to. And when you look at at this 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 line, uh, Julian Davenport, uh, you know, when they traded away Jer- uh, Laramie Tunsil and and Kenny Stills to Houston, they brought in Julian Davenport. Jesse Davis is on the right side at right tackle, and look, Jesse Davis. No offense to him, but he's a guard. He's really playing out of position, and this Miami offensive line really struggled. Uh, to to protect you know uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and company there um, at uh, you know at, at the quarterback position you know the, the Dolphins um, you know among the the worst offensive line in in the country and when you look at at what this line really what they struggled with. Uh, you know, they gave up a league leading 58 sacks and according to pro football focus, they registered the worst time to pressure and, and a quick pressure rate of, of 33%. They have to address the tackle position and, and everybody has them taking Josh, uh, Josh Jones, the, the Houston o- offensive tackle. But look, I think there's a chance that one of the top four offensive tackles is going to be available at number 18. Um, you know, we have Jedrick Wills and, and Tristan Wirfs, Makai Becton, and, and Andrew Thomas. And, and I'm looking at this, and if Jedrick Wills doesn't go to the Giants, he'll probably go to Carolina at eight. So then you're talking about, okay, do the Jets, I'm sorry, you have Cleveland first, and then Cleveland ends up taking Makai Becton. He'll be the best fit with, with Baker Mayfield, who played with Orlando Brown Jr. at, uh, uh, at OU. So then you look, do the Jets go offensive tackle? We'll talk about why I don't think that is. So then he continues to kind of move down the board. You know, the Raiders aren't on the board for a tackle. Neither are the Niners. Tampa. Tampa could potentially go with a, with an offensive lineman. So there's where Tristan Wirfs goes. So then, okay, Denver, you know, unless they're they're ready to move on from Garrett Bowles, I don't th- think that's going to happen yet. So then you go to Atlanta. Atlanta set a tackle. You go to Dallas. Dallas has set a tackle. And next thing you know, you're sitting there with Miami at number 18. Andrew Thomas out of Georgia could be there. And if they do that, you you can expect that they're going to sprint to the podium or Skype or whatever they need to do to get in this pick. It's going to be as, as quick as possible. You know, Thomas was a three-year starter for the Bulldogs, experienced at both offensive tackle positions, you know, really a mauler in the running game, using his hands to strike and just beat up anybody in front of him. Um 
you know, so there are some times where he'll he'll get a little top heavy. You know, arms are locked out. Uh, upper body gets over his toes. He'll get off balance, and that'll keep him from sustaining his blocks. But uh, definitely an athlete was getting out to the second level as a lead blocker for De- DeAndre Swift. And then in the pass rush, you know, showed some pretty good feet overall. You know, some pretty good agility. Um, you know, lateral quickness, kick out blocks. Um, you know in the running game as well, but really let's get back to the passing game. And, and, you know, when he's balanced, you know, he gets depth to his kick slide, easily picking up the edge rushers, um, shows off a really quick power move to, to step back inside to neutralize the secondary moves as well. Um, you know, ability to reset his feet and anchor, uh, really improves some of that leverage. And he uses those 36 and, and an eighth inch arms to really keep, so keep those rushers at bay. Um, you know, when he's more upright, you know, he really does a good job mirroring them. The problem is, is he'll bend at the waist and, you know, that, presents more of that acute angle and when he does that he's leaning over he starts lunging at, at the guys gets off balance and that's what gets him into trouble if they can get work on that technique a little bit get him more upright in in his past sets i think you'll really have something there with with andrew thomas so then miami after that what are they going to do with their third their third pick in the first round how about a running back you know and, and you look at it and you're like well uh, you know jordan howard was brought in from philly you know they they've got Kalen Balaj on the roster, Miles Gaskin. Look, you know they they need a, a bell cow. They need a guy who's going to to support Tua in the passing game. Jordan Howard's not you know he's more of a complimentary back at this point. That's really what he did in Philly. I'm looking at DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. You know he he could be the best all around back. You know I I think you know what we really saw out of. Uh, um, out of Jonathan Taylor at the combine really impressed me because of his ability to catch the football out of the backfield. The issue with Jonathan Taylor for me still is the ball security, 18 fumbles, 15 of them lost. That's really a huge concern. You know, you look at Deandre Swift, five, nine, 212 pounds, uh, back to back thousand yard seasons over 20, 2,800 yards, uh, 20 touchdowns also had 70, uh, 73 receptions in his career. So when you look at that, this is a guy who has ex, you know really soft hands, a guy who can put his foot in the ground and get north and south in a hurry, has a, a little bit of a wiggle to him on the outside, and has really good speed as well. Yeah, and so he, he doesn't have the 439-40 speed that Jonathan Taylor posted at the at the combine, but he did run a 448, um, which is plenty fast, you know, and he has he may even be quicker than he is fast, um, which is a scary proposition. So when you look at that, you get uh, three really you know impact starters there uh, for for Miami. This would be an A draft in the first round for them. They get Tua, they get their quarterback, they get an offensive tackle, they get a running back, all in round number one. What happens in round number two? I'm looking at the safety position for them in round number two. They can go in a lot of different directions. We talked about a receiver, and they need that. Um, we'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, but what they did in 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 uh, free agency, they brought in Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba to get some pass rushers. Uh, you know, they they uh, have Kyle Van Noy uh, and Elandon Roberts. You know, taking over that at that linebacker position. Um, you know, they got Byron Jones uh, to play corner. Uh, but when you look at the safety position, yeah, they brought in they brought in Adrian Colbert, Eric Rose lined up right now at a safety position. But I really think they need to get another safety. I'm looking at Xavier McKinney. There's a good chance that Xavier McKinney is going to be on the board in round number two. And this is a guy who plays all over the field. This this is a guy who has uh, the the skills to really play on the back end of the defense. And um, 
you know, has incredible range. He's a big hitter. You know, he can play back as a deep safety as well. You know, he's a guy who fills up the stat sheets. I mean, 95 tackles a season ago, five and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, three interceptions, five pass breakups, four forced fumbles. One of those interceptions he actually returned for a touchdown. Um, you know, and so he's somebody who can make plays at the line of scrimmage. He can play over the top a little bit, ran that four, six, four 40. And I think that's what may end up keeping him from being drafted in round number one. And if that's the case, Miami would love to take him there in round number two, mention the receiver position. And uh, I'm looking at Michael Pittman jr. Out of USC six, four, 220 pounds, you know, ran a four, five, two forty at the combine much faster. than I think a lot of people were expecting him to run. And so that's really to his benefit. This was a guy, you know, USC, he led the pack 12 in receiving 101 catches, 1,275 yards, 11 touchdowns on the year. A guy who teams were really designing their defense to stop Michael Pittman. When you talk about that, that's really what you're looking for with a receiver. I mean, defenses are actually looking to try to scheme to end up taking out your receiver. When that happens, you know, that, that doesn't happen a whole lot. Washington, a lot of guys there are playing receivers close to the line and uh, really making it difficult for uh, Michael Pittman to really get a, a free release. They saw what he did against Utah when he was allowed to really get down the field. You know, this is a guy who is very physical at the catch point, uh, is going to elevate over you, does a really good job with late separation uh, as he's leaping for the football, using that arm to create that late separation. And then when he's so difficult to bring down, Two, three, four defensive backs on him, uh, trying to bring him down. He's still muscling for extra yards. If you watch that game against Utah, he was throwing guys aside and, and taking off down the field. You know, I think Michael Pittman Jr. would be a nice addition. You know, you've got Preston Williams, a physical receiver. You have Devontae Parker. You might say, well, you know, you might want to have some of those those speed guys there from the slot. And that's true, but I like Michael Pittman Jr. I think this is going to be a nice pick for them. And then looking in in round number three, Cam Dantzler out of uh, Mississippi State. They need another corner. They have Xavier Howard. They have Byron Jones, but there's little depth behind them. And so I'm looking at Cameron, you know, Cameron Dantzler, his uh, his position coach with, with the Bulldogs, um, was you know, Terrell Buckley, who knows a thing or two about cornerback play. And so Cam Dantzler, yes, he's 6'2", he's 187, ran in the four sixes at the combine, um, but this is a guy who has tremendous ball skills, five interceptions, 20 pass breakups in his career with the Bulldogs, uh, played in only nine games this, uh, this past season, uh, still had eight pass breakups, um, you know, instinctive, good length to him, and uh, you know I, he, he doesn't have to start right away. Uh, he's a guy who I think will provide pretty good depth, and you're getting a really good player there in round number three. And then finally, we're looking at the fourth round, and you know at this point we're really looking at some depth players. And uh, Shaq Lawson could potentially be playing, uh, you know, a five technique. Could also be an outside linebacker. Same goes for Emmanuel Ogba. So I'm looking at defensive end. You know, they have tackled Charlton to to pair with with Christian Wilkins, but uh, I'm looking at McTelvin Aguim out of Arkansas. And this is a guy that people aren't really talking about, but a guy who I think can generate some, you know, some pass rush there from within, um, you know, 31 tackles for loss, 14 and a half sacks, um, at the really playing a five technique, six forced fumbles, four pass breakups in his career as well. Uh, you know, and, and you know, when you talk about a game, uh, you know, he's six, three, three Oh nine and ran a four, nine, eight 40 at the combine bench pressed 
225, 27 times. Um, I think Aguin would be a nice role player for uh, Miami, and I think he actually has starter potential down the line. So Miami, look, if they can land that type of a draft, I think that would be an A draft when it's all said and done because they're addressing a lot of needs on both sides of the football. So we transition from Miami. We're going to go ahead and move on uh, in terms of the draft picks. We're going to move on to the Jets. And I mentioned the Jets uh, at the top talking about them needing a receiver. And that's really, you know, when we came into the the whole free agent process, I think everyone was expecting them to go with a tackle. You know, Kelvin Beecham uh, moved on, uh, as did um, Brandon Shell. And actually, Beecham's still a free agent, but, you know, Brandon Shell moved on to Seattle. Um, and, and you know that Joe Douglas, the, the general manager, is going to be looking to upgrade that offensive line. He brought in two offensive linemen, actually three offensive linemen, uh, and re-signed uh, Alex uh, Lewis there to play left guard. George Fant uh, from Seattle, the athletic, uh, former basketball player. He'll be the left tackle. Connor McGovern is being brought in to, to man the center position, a position that, look, you know they, they couldn't really figure things out after Nick Mangold, so... Ryan Khalil was brought in. They need a you know a starter. Connor McGovern is brought in there. You know you've got uh, Brian Brian Winters there at right guard. Greg Van Roten brought in from Carolina as well. Chuma Adoga started eight games at right tackle. I think he may get the first crack at the right tackle position. They've done a lot to address the offensive line. Could they still go with a tackle here? It's entirely possible. I think you know at this stage it could potentially be Tristan Wirfs. But when you have two other positions that really need to be addressed, I think that offensive tackle right now just I, I see them either looking at free agency or I see them looking at it maybe as a late day two or a late three uh, a day three pick. To be perfectly honest, they've got a lot of depth up front along the offensive line. I think you know Joe Douglas has already been really busy trying to overhaul his offensive line. Got to protect Sam Darnold, your investment there at the quarterback position. Now we talked about the receivers, and you know Robbie um, Robbie Anderson has moved on. Robbie Anderson is now with uh, his his college coach there from Temple, uh, Matt Rule in Carolina. So when that happens, uh, you know, and you also have Demarius Thomas, he's gone as well. So when that happens, you're talking about 35% of your your receiving yards and 31% of your touchdown production from a season ago. You lost those two receivers. You've got Quincy Enumma, who's coming off of a serious neck injury. That leaves Jamison Crowder, the team's leading receiver a, a year ago as the team's only productive wideout from 2019. Now, they signed Josh Doxson, hoping that he can resurrect his career after struggling in Washington and Minnesota. And uh, I think everyone was really looking at C.D. Lamb. This is where C.D. Lamb's going to go. But then they bring in Brashad Perriman, you know, who resurrected his own career in Tampa. And I think this may allow the Jets to then, you know what, let's take advantage of the receiver depth get a guy in round number two and focus on another position. You know, when you're talking about, you know, Crowder, Anunwa, Doxson, uh, Perriman, you know, you've brought in quite a few guys there at the, at the receiver position. I think you can wait until day two. You could get CD lamb here. You know, you really don't have a number one wideout. You could go CD lamb, but I'm looking at this corner position. Jermaine Johnson is gone. Daryl Roberts is gone. So you've, you've lost both of your, 
starting corners. Yes, he brought in Pierre Desir, who's who's really had a, a breakout season with the Colts. I thought that was a nice pickup there, but you got to bring in another another corner. And, you know, the same can be said from the cornerback position. Look, um, you could take C.D. Lamb in uh, in round number one and then potentially look at, at the second round and um, try to identify somebody here in, in round number two. Um, and that's entirely possible. You're sitting there at number 48 overall. You, know, you could have, you know, Bryce Hall, um potentially, um, or, or Jalen Johnson, you know, those are some of the guys that I have coming off the board in round number two, possibly even AJ Terrell sitting there. So it's entirely possible that the Jets could go CD lamb first and then go with the corner. But I'm also looking at it, you know, in, in this scenario, if you go corner, you've got CJ Henderson, a guy who a lot of people think may actually be the number one corner in this draft. You know, a guy, he ran that four three nine forty, shows excellent closing speed. Uh, a guy who, uh, locks people down, you know, in 2018 pro football focus, you know, confirmed that he allowed just one reception on every 19 snaps, didn't allow a single touchdown in coverage. Uh, you know, a, a guy who just, you know, tremendous ball skills, you know, 11 pass breakups despite only playing in nine games, battling an ankle injury during the season. Um, you know, he, he has really good, you know, the fluidity in his hips, you know, to, to mirror the receiver, really sticking like glue, strive for side, not allowing any separation, does a good job getting his hands on the receiver early, does a good job rerouting his man off the football, plays with anticipation, reading the quarterback's eyes, driving quickly on the ball, and off coverage, very smooth in transition, closing burst to disrupt the receiver at the catch point, not as strong at the catch point as you'd like to see him, and I think some of his zone awareness will struggle at times. But look, you know, you need to have a lockdown corner. You haven't had that with the Jets since Revis Island. Um, you know, I, I think this this may be the move for the Jets. We could be talking about C.D. Lamb here at some point, but uh, you know, I want to see them bring in another corner before I actually move off of this. Um, you know, I, I think this could potentially be the direction that they're going, um, which then leads us to their second round pick. And I said, look, if you're not going to go ahead and go with the receiver in round number one, you have to go with the receiver in round two. And, you know, you have a lot of possession guys on the on the roster, guys that aren't going to really stretch the defenses vertically. How about a guy like Jalen Rager out of TCU? 5'11", 195. Um, you know, don't really judge his numbers from a season ago. Had some pretty terrible quarterback play. Uh, you got to look at 2018 numbers where he had 72 receptions, over 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns, very strong at the catch point. You know, this guy, you know, he's not the biggest guy. Um, you know, when you, when you talk about Rager, 5'11", 206, uh, ran a 4'4", I thought, you know, he bulked up a little bit for the combine. And, and I think that probably showed with that 40 time, but look, he's still a 42 inch vertical leap, 138 inch broad jump. Um, so those are numbers that show that there is that lower body explosiveness to him and, and a guy who I think can definitely get vertical. Um, this is going to be someone who, you know, has an outside shot as a as a, a first rounder, so to get him in round number two would definitely be a nice a nice get uh, at forty eight overall. Um, you know, again, it remains to be seen. CD Lamb does he go number eleven? It, it's entirely possible, um, but I don't have that in this scenario just yet. So, wait a couple of days. We'll see how I feel about that. 
Um, you know, next, you know, we're, we're moving on to round number three. So in round number three, you know, you have to ask yourself where, where the Jets are going after that. And, and the Jets, look, you know, when you look at their, their pass rush, um, you know, what pass rush, um, you know, you've right now on their roster, the outside linebacker position, you've got Harvey Lange, uh, Terrell Basham as your starters, uh, rushing the passer. So that's definitely uh, cause for concern. Um, you know, you have some, some decent uh, inside backers. You know, C.J. Mosley, Blake Cashman was a nice surprise. Uh, defensive ends, you've got Quinn and Williams and, and Henry Anderson, you know, a couple of guys who can uh, get to the quarterback. Um, but the bi- the bigger concern is, is who's going to really be getting to the passer coming off the edge. And, and that's really a, a huge concern there for the Jets. Look, because of that, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they end up going with, with Clave and Chase on um, when it's all said and done. You know, that could definitely happen too. Um, but I'm looking at them in, in round number three going with, with a, a pass rusher. They need to get somebody who can help them put, put pressure on the quarterback. And, uh, you know, they're 23rd in the league a season ago, just tw- uh, 35 sacks. And uh, let's see, I'm trying to pull it up right now, pull up their numbers. But uh, let's see, you know, Jamal Adams was one of their top leading sack guys, and he is at six and a half sacks at the safety position. Uh, they let Jordan Jenkins walk. You know, he had eight sacks from a season ago. And really, there was nobody else on the roster who had more than, than two and a half sacks. I'm sorry, there was one guy with three sacks, and that was Neville Hewitt. Um, so, you know, th- this was a roster that really struggled to to put pressure on the quarterbacks. So I'm looking at a guy like Josh Uche out of Michigan. Uh, and, and, you know, 6'1", 245 pounds. And the reason why I like Josh Uche here is, is a guy who can get after the passer, but he's versatile. He, he showed an ability to to drop into coverage that I don't think everyone was really expecting to see out of him. Um, didn't see that as much with Michigan. Uh, had 10 and a half uh, tackles for loss the past season. Uh, back-to-back seasons with at least seven sacks. Um, you know, has pretty good bend, you know, good twitchiness to him as well. Uh, I think he'd be a nice guy. He'd probably come in and start right away way there for the Jets. Uh, and then their second, third round pick, I'm looking at a tight end for uh, for the Jets. Uh, Jets right now, uh, Christopher Herndon, uh, Ryan Griffin, they're at the tight end position. They need to get another pass catcher at the tight end position, another, another weapon for Sam Darnold. I'm looking at Harrison Bryant. Um, you know, this is my favorite tight end in the draft. Harrison Bryant, he's the the John Mackey Award winner for the top tight end in uh, all of college football. A thousand yard receiver there for Lane Kiffin's Owls at Florida Atlantic. And, uh, you know, a guy uh, didn't really set the world on fire with a 47340, um, but he's 6'5, 243 pounds, looked really smooth in the, in, uh, in the drills. I think he'd be a nice pass catcher there for Sam Darnold in round number three. Finally, we're looking at, at at round number four, and I'm looking at the running back position with this pick. And the reason why I'm doing that, I'm looking at Le'Veon Bell as the starter, and then there's really not a whole lot beyond you know behind him. And I'm looking at Anthony McFarland, you know, the redshirt sophomore out of Maryland. And Anthony McFarland, you know, I think what is is so nice about him is uh, his, his versatility. You know, was a 1,000-yard rusher in 2018, shared the backfield with uh, Javon Leak in, in 2019, uh, still, you know, had 17 receptions there in 2019. Uh, you know, and he's a guy, sub-4-5 speed, and, uh, you know, I think he'd be a nice change of pace 
uh, to Le'Veon Bell, giving Sam Darnold yet another weapon in the passing attack. So those are my my picks for the Jets. I think you know that'd be a nice you know it addresses a lot of their needs up front. You know, really the big question I talked about them not t- taking a tackle, and uh, you know I could see them taking a tackle in round number five. I think, you know, Trey Adams is sitting out there from Washington as a potential uh, tackle there in round five. You know, Yasir Durant out of Missouri as, as a late rounder. Same with, uh, you know, Charlie Heck. Um, let's see, uh, you know, possibly even Terrence Steele out of Texas Tech. Uh, Alex Taylor out of South Carolina State. You know, he could pretend, he's actually one of those developmental guys who could probably come off the board in round three or four. Left him off my list for the time being, but you know there are some options there for the Jets if they decide to go with a tackle in the fir- you know in round number five, uh, and, they, and they wait until then to to make their pick. Uh, so the Patriots, you know, we transition to them. Uh, just four picks in. Uh, in, in the first four rounds, they don't have a second-round pick. And, uh, you know, look, Tom Brady's gone. Jarrett Stidham sitting there at quarterback. A lot of people talking about them in round number one going with Jordan Love. Why would you bring in a rookie when you already have a guy who essentially hasn't played um, you know, much, call, much pro football at all sitting there in the same quarterback room in Jarrett Stidham? I don't know how much that makes, you know, it makes a whole lot of sense. And really, we haven't seen Bill Belichick look at a first-round quarterback. Of course, he hasn't had to. You know, he did take Jimmy Garoppolo in round number two as, as Tom's backup. Um, so there's a chance that we could potentially see Jordan Love uh, come off the board in, in, in round number one. Uh, I actually don't have them taking a quarterback in, you know, through round four. I'm looking at Anthony Gordon actually as a round, uh, you know, fifth round pick for New England. When you have Jameis Winston, you have Cam Newton sitting out there. I think we could potentially see the Patriots go after one of those guys and potentially target a, a quarterback in uh, in 2021. Anthony Gordon's a guy who I think is one of those sleepers at the quarterback position, and uh, who knows. And that may be a guy that uh, the Patriots, you know, end up taking a liking to. I think Jake Fromm's another guy that cerebral quarterback, not necessarily the best athlete, but a guy who just knows what what to do with the football. A lot of the pre-snap reads, uh, understanding defenses. Jake Fromm also is a guy that seems to fit there in New England. Um, so that's always a possibility as well. Um, but I actually have New England, you know, when you look at them, you know, a lot of the guys that were were let go, um, they don't have Jamie Collins anymore. There's no, um, you know, Kyle Van Noy. And so when you're talking about edge rushers right now, you're looking at Shalit Calhoun and Brandon Copeland as your outside backers. And so that really is cause for concern for me. I'm looking at, Yeter uh, Gross Matos. And, and I know what you're thinking when you talk about Yeter, you know, this is a guy at Penn State was primarily a, you know, played with his hand in the, in the dirt as a 4 3 defensive end, but he also was rushing the passer as a stand up uh, edge rusher. And he, he you know, shows some, some pretty good fluidity. You know, I think in terms of the athleticism, he could potentially be the, um, you know, after Chase on, be the number three. Uh, edge rusher, you know, I think even more so than than uh, A.G. Epinesa, at least in terms of the athleticism. Now, this is a guy who racked up 37 and a half tackles for loss um, as, as a two-year starter, including 20 in 2018, 17 and a half sacks during that, that uh, span as well. Very disruptive, living in opposing backfields, has a nice combination of size, length, speed, power that you really don't see too often. 82 and a quarter inch wingspan as well, um, using that length to his advantage whenever possible. 
I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of user gross mottos. You know, this is a guy who's definitely a, a tremendous athlete and a guy who I think, you know, the Patriots, if he's sitting there, they have to at least consider uh, landing him in, uh, in the draft. And I'm looking at a guy like Chandler Jones. And when Chandler Jones came out of Syracuse, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at him. He was a first rounder, number 21 overall, um, you know, in the 2012 draft, you know, he, he's six, five, 265 pounds. And when you talk about Yitro Gross Matos, um, you know, you, you look at, at, uh, at him and, and it, it feels a lot of, you know, very similar, six five, two hundred sixty six pounds. The the length is absolutely there. Very explosive coming off the edge. I think this be a nice nice pickup there for uh, Bill Belichick in round number one. As I said, there's no pick in round two, which means the Patriots then go to round number three. They need a tight end desperately, uh, especially now that Rob Gronkowski is is really out of the picture. And I'm looking at Adam Troutman out of out of Dayton. This is a guy who really, you know, it was a man among boys playing there um, for the FCS program, but uh, a guy who, again, really impressed, you know, a guy who, you know, is one of the more natural pass catchers in this draft, um, you know, a guy who just filled up stat sheets. I mean, it was, it was pretty ridiculous what, uh, what Troutman was able to do there for the Flyers uh, in his career, 178 receptions, over 2,200 yards, including nine, uh, 916 yards uh, in, in 2019, 14 touchdowns as well, uh, 31 in his career. You know, he's not the most fluid athlete. He looked like he was straining at times at the combine, but uh, you know, definitely a guy who's one of um, you know an excellent pass catcher, 6'5", 255 pounds, only ran a 4'8", 40, uh, but 34 and a half inch vertical leap. Um, you know, if you look at the three cone gr- cone drill, you know, he may not have the uh, the vertical speed and the long speed, but six, seven, eight, three cone drill. Um, you know, that's clearly the, the fastest among all the tight ends. And, uh, you know, that shows that he's, he's, you know, probably quicker than he is fast can get in and out, in and out of his breaks. And that's really what allowed him to create some of that separation there. Um, at the collegiate level. Now I'm looking at safety, for, for the Patriots in, in round number three as well. The safety position, you know, they brought back Devin McCourty. They have Patrick Chung back there. Um, you know, they picked up Adrian Phillips, but, you know, I, I'm looking at at uh, at the safety position and, you know, Terrell Burgess, call me crazy, but Terrell Burgess just feels like a Bill Belichick pick. Um, you know, no, he doesn't go to Rutgers, but, um, you know, Terrell Burgess, you know, six foot, 190 pounds, um, really, you know, emerged as as a playmaker, a guy who, you know, can play all over the field there for the Utes. 81 tackles on the year, seven and a half tackles for loss, had a pick, five pass breakups. Um, you know, very savvy, savvy player. Makes a lot of sense for me for the Patriots. And then in round number four, um, I, I have them again looking at the linebacker position and I have them going Marcus Bailey. Out of uh, out of Purdue now, Marcus Bailey. This was a guy who really kind of got a you know didn't get a, a fair shake there in uh, 2019. Battled injuries, only got to play in in two games. But the season prior, uh, you know, 115 tackles. You know, the season before that, 89 tackles. As a freshman, 97 tackles. So this is a guy who filled up the stat sheets. Uh, 324 tackles in his career, 28 tackles for loss, 14 and a half sacks, six interceptions, six pass breakups, two forced fumbles. If this guy had stayed healthy, we'd be talking about him as a, a clear-cut day two pick 
second rounder. And, and unfortunately, because of the injury, uh, we're not really talking about him. But you know, when Purdue had had that bounce back bounce back year in, in 2018, he was a big reason for that as the leader there on the inside. Uh, six foot, 235 pounds. Uh, another guy who just feels like a Bill Belichick guy. This is a guy that just feels like he's going to end up on this team. They've got Juwan Bentley. They've got Dante Hightower. They don't have anybody else behind him. This feels like a Bill Belichick guy, and that's really why I went with him in round number four. Now, finally, we're, we're talking about the Bills. That's going to be the last team here in uh, the AFC East, and I mentioned that they don't have a first-round pick. Uh, well, Why? You know, well, Buffalo needed a number one wideout. They absolutely were desperate for one. Uh, John Brown, uh, you know, Cole Beasley. You know, they had to bring back Duke Williams, um, who was playing in the CFL, uh, to get some production at the receiver position. They get their guy, Stephon Diggs. You know, they give Josh Allen a number one wideout and uh, Minnesota able to move on from Stephon Diggs. Um, so they don't have a first round pick, but you're looking at them in round number two and they can go in a bunch of different directions. But I'm actually looking at that right guard position, I'm looking at John Feliciano. They can upgrade from that. They've got Deion Dawkins, Quentin Spain. Uh, they re-signed him. Uh, Mitch Morse there at the center position. Cody Ford at right, right tackle. They need an upgrade at right guard. they got to protect their investment in Josh Allen. I'm going with a guy out of LSU, a guy who's just got that mean streak, a guy who's going to beat you up, maul you a little bit, and that's Damian Lewis out of LSU. Uh, you know, Lewis is, let's see, 6'2", 327 pounds, uh, 27 reps in the in the bench press there at the combine as well. You know, a guy who's just going to want to try to throw you around and then finish you and bury you. Um, so he, he's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, in round number three, Bradley and I, for some reason, just feels like a... Um, you know, a guy that'd be playing in front of the Bills Mafia. Yes, they have Jerry Hughes and they have Mario Addison, um, but I'm looking at some depth behind those two. And Bradley Anai is the guy who I think can absolutely bring that depth. Um, you know, Anai isn't going to be the most explosive guy. You know, I think we can absolutely say that. Um, when you look at, at what he did at the Combine, and I just ran a, a 4.9340. Doesn't have the longest arms in the world, but what he does have are some really good hands, some really quick hands. Um, you know, he has some big 10-inch hands, and he uses those to his advantage, winning at the line of scrimmage with with the hand fighting. Uh, had 13 sacks this past season. You know, 29 and a half in his career. Um, so a guy who knows how to get get to the quarterback. I think he'd be a nice. Um, you know, really fits in into that rotation. You know, uh, Mario Addison had a great season there for Carolina. Jerry Hughes knows how to get to the quarterback as well. I think he would be a nice fit there with with Trent Murphy as uh, as role players getting after the quarterback. You can never have too many guys getting after the quarterback. And like I said, I, I can see Bradley and I playing there in Buffalo in front of the Bills Mafia. Makes perfect sense to me. So then you move on to day three, round number four, and uh, the Bills, You know what are they looking for? They need a corner. I think they need a guy that's going to play in the nickel. They brought in Josh Norman to play opposite Tredavious White. Great pickup there. They've got Levi Wallace, who's going to be another guy who can play on the outside, but they need a nickel. I'm looking at Josiah Scott out of Michigan State. Josiah Scott, you know, look, he, he's not the biggest guy, you know, and which is why he's playing in the slot. But uh, 5'9", 185 pounds, ran a 4'4", 240 at the combine. Um, you know, so a guy who definitely has the the speed to hang with uh, with those slot receivers at the next level. And, uh, you know, Scott was obviously the, the top um, – corner there at Michigan State could potentially be the top uh, pro prospect coming out of uh, 
East, Lan- uh, East Lansing. Six interceptions in his career, including three this past season. 22 pass breakups as well. Has some pretty good ball skills. A guy who uh, can lock down there on the outside. Played in just five games as a sophomore, but uh, bounced back and uh, really put together a nice junior season and ultimately came out early because of that. So that's my look at the AFC East through the first four rounds. And again, like I said, that we could potentially be seeing things change. I'm looking at the Jets. That's the one that I'm really trying to figure out. Are they going to go uh, corner or are they going to go receiver? I think tackle right now, I think we can kind of temper that a little bit. And the fact that they brought in uh, Brashad Perriman, you could still end up going with a receiver, but you're looking at all of these guys. You've got Quincy and Nunwa and uh, Doxon and uh, Perriman and Crowder, could you? Are they doing this so that they could potentially look at a receiver in round number two? They bulked that up. They brought in just Pierre Desir to address that corner position, and they, they got rid of both of their starters from a season ago. So that's the one in the AFC East that really I'm still going to be keeping an eye on. And I'll be interested to see as we progress through things um, if they're going to make any moves out there in free agency, what's really going to happen. Um, you know, And obviously, like I said, there are a couple of tackles that are out there. Trent Williams, what's going to happen to him? Uh, that could be a potential domino that's, that's still waiting to fall. Uh, Jason Peter. Uh, the aging veteran pro bowler um, you know, battled some injuries, but he's out there if a team needs an offensive tackle. So there are a lot of things that are still going to be in play. Uh, a lot of different players, obviously just Jadavian Clowney still sitting out there as a, uh, as a free agent as well. What's the market look like for him? Is he coming back to Seattle or is he going to end up going somewhere else? There's still some things that we uh, have to wait to play out. So, Remains to be seen. You know, it's at least fun to to speculate and kind of see where things are going to uh, things are going to pan out. So, that's my time for episode twenty six of the Ready for the Draft podcast. We're going to then take a look at the NFC North. So, uh, in next podcast, so Detroit looking at, at Jeffrey Akuda there, the cornerback. You know, just to give you a sneak peek at, at, at what I'm looking at here with, with this group. Uh, Chicago doesn't have a first-round pick, but uh, could they potentially land you know some secondary help? Grant Delpit possibly falling to round number two. Could potentially be an option there for them. Interesting to see what, what can happen there. Green Bay, desperate need of a receiver. Denzel Mims is moving up draft boards. I think there's definitely a good chance that Green Bay can get their hands on him. And then Minnesota. Minnesota, you know, they they traded away Stephon Diggs. I think they're looking at T. Higgins potentially as as that receiver. Uh, they also lost, uh, you know, some some corners, um, you know, with with Xavier Rhodes and um, drawing a blank on uh, you know they lost Mackenzie Alexander as well. Um, you know, they just losing losing all of their guys. Trey Wayne's thing. Just remembered Trey Wayne's the other corner there. So they lost all the corner help. So I'm looking at Christian Fulton. So just to give you an idea, those are uh, my first round picks for the NFC North. But we'll go ahead and take a look at the reasoning behind all of those picks. And we'll go ahead and break down what those picks look like for the first four rounds for each of those teams. Um, And I promise in the next day or two, I'll have uh, my updated mock draft on the website. We'll get that going as well. Um, So Hope everyone is is staying safe out there, staying healthy. Make sure you wash your hands. Uh, social distancing, it's it's definitely real. It's definitely something that we should be watching out for. And uh, you know, be safe, everyone. Enjoy your weekends. 
I'll put another podcast together here in the next couple of days and get that back out there. And, uh, we'll start talking about the draft. Um, you know, my, my job, uh, once again, is to make sure that you are ready for the NFL draft there in April. And, uh, we'll go ahead and continue to count things down, uh, continue to break down some players, break down some team needs and, uh, and we'll take it all the way up until draft day. Uh, so for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Be safe. Stay healthy. And I am out of here. Take care, everyone. <laughs>